Okay, welcome to the Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with different people from different backgrounds, uh, get to learn about other cultures and see what's going on in other parts of the world. Uh, my name is Nosa Yari, and today I have yet another guest. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you. Pleasure uh, how do I pronounce How do I pronounce your last name, Dwayne, right? Dwayne. Yeah, Paul Dwayne. Got it. Got it. And I have to apologize if I let me get this on record. Uh, we've spent like an hour here trying to resolve some audio issues. And uh, <laughs> I really thank you for your patience. Uh, yeah, no worries, patient. man. All right. How's the weather? Are you in uh, Salt Lake right now? Yeah, I'm in Salt Lake City. Okay. How's, how's uh, things in Salt Lake? How's the weather? How's everything? Pretty typical January. It's gray and dreary and uh, hanging out in the low 30s. We've got snow that comes in and out and uh, mm. we're all suffering from seasonal affective disorder over here right now. So, <laughs> just, just really? <laughs> praying for spring to come anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any moment now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a friend who went to, to ski over the weekend in Salt Lake. Uh, oh, great. I, I don't know how popular that is over there. but uh, It's you know. huge. Yeah. It's, um, we have the greatest snow on earth. So they say. And, really? Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had the Winter Olympics here a couple of years ago, and we're probably going to have them again in a few years. So. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Definitely uh, world-class skiing here. And from what I understand, you did grow up in Salt Lake on Utah, right? Yeah. I grew up in a, a small college town uh, about an hour north of here uh, called Logan. Small Logan? town. Yeah. In a beautiful, beautiful valley. And... uh yeah, so I'm Utah's been my home for a long time. I lived in Philadelphia for a few years, but otherwise, Salt, you know, the Salt Lake area has been my home. Got it, got it. Talk to me about growing up. Like, uh, how was how different was Utah back then compared to now? Uh, what are some of your earliest memories? You remember how many siblings did you have? Uh, what kind of activities did you engage in as a young boy? So I, I grew up in a very traditional Mormon family. Um, mm. I. I don't know how much you know about that, but it's a it's a pretty conservative a Christian type of of um, culture. Uh, church every week, activities at the church throughout the week. It was so church was a big part of our life growing up, and um, it, it uh, you know my I, I'm, our family goes back in Mormonism to its roots. So we're you know our family oh, wow. is very very deep deeply entrenched in that. Um, and, uh, anyway, so I, I, you know, I was quite, quite involved in that for, um, you know, all of my growing up years, um, all of my twenties as well. I served a Mormon mission out in Philadelphia. That's what I was doing out there. Got and, it. Um, yeah, yeah. But in my, in my late twenties, I retired from organized religion and uh, so now <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I consider that to be, you know, I talk, sometimes I kind of, I, I refer to myself as a Mormon and I say it kind of in the same way that Jews talk about being Jews, even if mm. they never go to synagogue, you know, it's more of a cultural identity. You know, it's, these are my mm. people, it's in my DNA, even though I may be an atheist, I still kind of identify with that, that lineage in a sense. So I still talk about it like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, I, I grew up in a pretty, you know, a, a, a pretty traditional kind of situation, mom and dad, uh, two brothers, or excuse me, a brother and a sister. Um, and, and I know you'll probably, I know you're going to kind of get to this. So I will set this up a bit and tell you that I, I had a really unique father. He was disabled my whole life. Um, he uh, was in a horrible motorcycle accident before I was even born. 
And so he couldn't really talk. And so motorcycle was a really bad word in our family uh, my whole life. Mm. And uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. So, you know, I'll set that up for you a bit and, and tell you that, yeah, all, all growing up, I never thought about motorsports. I never thought about motorcycles. It was just not something we discussed in our family. So. Got it. Got it. I mean, before we touch on the motorcycle, I just want to touch a little bit about uh, your former religion or your culture, uh, Mormonism, as you say. So I'm originally from um, Nigeria Mm. and, you know, we we kind of see, you know, religion in a different sense. So when my earliest memories or interaction with the Mormon church, uh, Latter-day Saints church, uh, they had this pretty nice buildings. Yeah, buildings were always the nicest on the street, whatever they were located. And they always had all these amenities, like they had basketball courts, swimming pool, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. have you, uh, back home in Nigeria. But the problem is, as a kid, when, you know, we kids wanted to, like, play on the court or something, was always, like, an issue to go there. And, you know, we're always confused, like, isn't this supposed to be a church? Like, you guys are supposed to allow everyone to come in. Like, why we just have this beautiful basketball court that no one plays in, like, a year can go by and no one like shoots a ball through the rim. So we were always like confused. Like what exactly is going on in the church? It was kind of like mysterious in a way. Interesting. And, yeah, that was like my first interaction <laughs> with the church. <laughs> it's just funny, you know, getting to talk to you now and just uh, yeah. hearing that you were part of the church. You actually went for missions. And uh, describe mm-hmm. what a mission is for those that don't understand. So Mormons are very, um, they're, they're kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses insofar as they're very active in proselytizing their faith. And they, uh, it's traditional for young men in, in the Mormon religion to spend two years around age 18 to 20 uh, going out into some part of the world and spending all of their time 24-7 um, spreading the church, you know, trying to convert people to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I did that. My dad did that in England when he was a young man. My mom did it in Venezuela when she was a young woman. Mm. Um, my all of my grandparents did it. It was definitely a huge, huge part of our family culture. And like your family being Mormon, for those listening to this podcast from you know outside of the U.S., from what I understand, like Utah is kind of like. I don't, I'm not sure if that's where the religion started, but that's where a lot of Mormons like reside, basically. Right. So, it actually started in upstate New York in the mid-1800s. Oh, really? But then it migrated west, and, um, and Utah became its headquarters. And Got it. um, So the, the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as they like to be called, is headquartered in Salt Lake City. But Salt Lake is a funny place because even though it, it is the world headquarters of, of one of the most conservative churches in the world, mm. there aren't actually that many Mormons in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City has changed a lot. Over and the years. city itself. The city itself is Got one it. of the gayest cities in America. It Get is one of, of the most liberal. I'm not kidding. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. there's almost wow. no Mormons in Salt Lake City, except for the ones in the church office building. But when you get out into the suburbs of Salt Lake City and the surrounding communities throughout Utah, mm-hmm. that's where all the traditional Mormons are. Okay, that, that, that so, makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. But sense. in the city, the city dwellers are uh, very much um, kind of a more hip, urban, younger, and often homosexual group of people. 
So Got it's, it. it's a real, it's a, is there's, there's an interesting culture clash in Utah because of that. I, I can imagine. I can only imagine. Yep. yep. Okay. So young Paul is uh 20, 21, 22 years old. You've gone yep. for a mission. You've come back. Did you have a dream? Did you have a plan for your life or everything was kind of like mapped out for you at, when you were born? <laughs> you were kind of like going to follow the family tradition and, you know, things like that. Oh, kind of. You know, when I when I was a teenager, I always had a sense that I was going to do something that would leave a big um, ripple in the world uh, of for good in some way. But I didn't quite know what that would be. I thought maybe I'd become a teacher, a school teacher, a music teacher, or maybe a um, go into the church educational system and and become like a, a seminary teacher. I, I thought about that. Um, I've always always been attracted to things like that. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've gone through a few different phases through my life. Uh, I, there's definitely a version of reality where I was going to be a musician. That's, that's one part of my life. Almost nobody knows about is that I'm a musician. I had a music scholarship in college. I, um, I played in a lot of bands and orchestras and things like that. And, um, but I ended up putting that down, um, many years ago and taking up photography. (laughs) So got got it. Got it. Yeah. And you're a professional photographer right now and you do a lot of other things, uh, which we're going to get into. But uh, talk to me about this uh, bike uh, thing growing up in your family. Now, your dad was involved in an accident uh, before you were born, Mm -hmm. uh, which you write about a lot. And there's actually a phrase you wrote about. You said that it would have been easier to tell my mom I had (laughs) joined a homosexual Luciferian baby flesh eating cults or become a democrat than to tell her i got a motorcycle <laughs> that Dude, you, you got I, I that to, word for word <laughs> i had to i had to pull that out because i was like what <laughs> that, <laughs> that's that, that sounds very interesting like um, yes that's very true <laughs> yeah particularly I mean. like putting Democrat besides homosexual lucifer and baby <laughs> flesh eating cult so yeah. i would imagine like Utah is very, very conservative. Uh, very Republican. Extremely Republican, City. except for Salt Lake City. Yeah, for Got sure. It. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I, uh, I grew up being taught the Democrats were bad people. Oh, wow. Okay. Fundamentally, that they were just bad people. Okay. Yeah. So, so when did you, when did your love for bikes start? So the bike thing. What, yeah, what, yeah. What happened with that one? So what happened there, it was, it, that was interesting. Um. I had never really thought about it until a couple of years ago. I was driving my parents around one one day in downtown Salt Lake City, and we pulled up next to a guy on a big noisy Harley and in, in the lane next to us. Mm. And um, and my dad looked over, and his face just lit up, and mm. he got this smile on his face, and he slowly nodded his head as if to say, "If I could get on that bike right now." And right away, I would do it in a heartbeat, and I regret nothing. It was, you know, and just to see that moment with my dad, it was it was um, a moment of revelation. Like I, I, in that moment, I just knew someday I'm going to get a motorcycle, and someday I'm going to take my podcast on the road. Mm-hmm. And it is no coincidence that my dad couldn't speak, and now one of my career paths is speaking. You know, mm-hmm. and um that uh and that i would do do so on a motorcycle and it wasn't a big it's not like it wasn't like a big earth shattering 
moment, I just knew. It was just oh, like yeah. a light switch flipping on. And I found that um, in my own, my own experiences, when I have, uh, you know, real epiphanies or real revelations or real like moments of decision that actually do change my life. They're not the big, huge moments with the, the angels singing and the clouds parting and all, all that. It's not like that. It's more like flipping on a light switch. It's just, a, it's a quiet knowing. Just like someday I'm going to do that. I just will. I just know it. Mm. And that's it. And that, that's, that's how that started. And I didn't really think much else about it after that. Honestly, I just kind of put it on the back burner and then um, fast forward. Uh, well, I ended up putting a motorcycle on. Um, I, I ended up kind of looking at bikes and I found some that I liked. And I, I really fell in love with the Yamaha V-Star series. And um, I, I had a vision board back in the day above my desk, you know, mm -hmm. where I would paste pictures of things I wanted to manifest in my life. And so I always kept a picture of a Yamaha V-Star up there. Um, anyway, the the way this all happened was kind of weird. The um my my father passed away in 2016 and earlier that year um a friend of mine called me one day and said, "Hey, I have this old Suzuki sitting in my shed that just needs a little bit of help. Would you be interested in it by any chance?" And I said, "Yeah. Yeah, I I would love that." And so he brought it over and I started mm. tinkering around with it and learning motorcycle mechanics and and all these things and Anyway, uh, it was that, and then later that year, my dad died, and it was that fall that I learned. I started taking, um, I took the beginning motorcycle class from the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, and I learned how to ride, and it, that was one of the defining moments of my life because, you know, everything about our family culture was shaped by my dad's disability, mm. and there was so much deep, deep fear embedded in um, everybody in our family, you know, and not only that, but just I think even on an epigenetic level, like on a DNA level, it was absolutely terrifying to get on a motorcycle and get up to highway speed. I mean, it, it was it, like everything in my body was just saying this is completely insane, you know, <laughs> And, and yet I felt really called to it too, you know, I just, because I had that moment a few years ago where I just knew I was going to, and I, it was obvious that the time had arrived. And so it was a, it was a real defining moment for me to um, confront fear and push through it and get through all of those weird hurdles and then to um, come into a new relationship to fear through learning how to ride and to become comfortable doing it, it, it was, um, it, it definitely changed me as a person for sure. Got it. I mean, that wasn't too long ago, 2016, looking at you online, no. I thought you had been writing for like 10, 15 years or something Just, like that. I'm, I'm still new at it. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a new writer for sure. And from our conversation and from, you know, a lot of your posts online, you seem to have this deep, affinity for your late father like mm. were you guys really close as father and son um even though you couldn't communicate with him like in the normal sense of the way i'm sure you guys had like your own style of communication what are some of the things maybe as a boy you remember who him doing like everyone looks up to their parents but your dad yeah. in particular yeah it was interesting because we we he he couldn't talk much um, he could make out small words here and there, you know, um, one of the, 
so some of the things that I remember about my dad, um, he, he had a love of communication, even though he couldn't do it very well. He loved radio. And mm. do, you, do you know what a ham radio is? No, I do not. So ham radio is this style of radio that it's extremely powerful. People can communicate across continents with it. It's kind of like a, like a CB or a walkie-talkie, but on a million steroids. I mean, you can communicate around the globe with this thing. They're, is it they're portable quite, or is it like a handheld? Not really. It, it was like a desktop setup with these Got transmitters it. and amplifiers and all these things. And he, But because he couldn't speak, he learned how to do Morse code. And so he would sit in his room and tap out Morse code to people on the other side of the country and just communicate wow. with random people. Much like... Um, you know, in, in today's culture, we see people do it, you know, people walking in, going into chat rooms and just having random conversations with strangers on various apps and things like that. It was just a, a, a more primitive version of that. And so I always remember hearing, you know, you know, coming out of my dad's out of my dad's room as he would be just reaching out and communicating with people around around the world that with, with that. Um, another thing he did a lot, he loved woodworking and he um, spent all, all of his discretionary time making things, making gifts for people out of wood, uh, especially children. He would make toy cars and trains and things like that and send them to children around the world uh, wow. to like nurseries and hospitals and schools and things like that and in third world countries and just all over the place. So my, my, my dad... Um, even though he, he couldn't talk much, um, he led a life of service and giving. And uh, he was just one of the most loving people you could meet in, in that way. You know, he, it's just, he, it, bring him, it brought him joy to do things for other people like that. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It so, sounds like a pretty amazing guy. And, uh... He was. And the fact that he wasn't bitter about his accident, you know, it didn't, it, it, it absolutely defined our family, you know, but he was never angry or bitter about it. He, um, he had a, such a grace about the way his life had turned out. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And you've also, you talked about, you know, obviously maybe you are somewhat inspired from your dad, you know, on the ham radio and you going into radio and podcasting yourself. I mean, yeah. you have your own podcast called the Soul Anarchist Podcast, which you've been doing for what, five, six years now? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, what, I mean, I don't think I've ever interacted with someone that's been doing a podcast that long. The only person I know is probably Joe Rogan and I've never spoken mm. to him. But what, yeah. were, what were the earliest days of podcasting i'm curious because i just started like a year ago uh i'm sure a lot of things have changed <laughs> but what, what did you have to do back then that's different from now well the way it all started to be very honest with you <laughs> was so to rewind a little bit um there was a time in my life when i worked for the postal service i for about four years i was a mailman for the okay. United States Postal Service. Also in Utah, right? In Utah, yeah. Got it. And the only way I could stay sane was to listen to audiobooks and podcasts. And that's how I learned what podcasts were. One of my friends told me, he's like, hey, there's this thing called a podcast. You might like it, you know? Um, and so he, he gave me a couple to listen to. And I did. I love the format. It's like talk radio, you know, but, but yeah. without all the dumb commercials and, and you can just do it when you want. And I really love the format. And so 
I started listening to a lot of podcasts and um, like how Adam did you Pro- listen to podcasts back? Then? Oh, on, on an iPod. Oh, okay. <laughs> on an actual iPod. That's way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Got> it. <laughs> like I, I, I went through many iPods during my mailman career, um, but I had the little mini ones or about an inch square. You know, I, I use those it. a lot. I've had tons of different iPods, but yeah, yeah. So for a lot of those years, it was an on, on an actual iPod, and um, but I would listen to guys like Joe Rogan, Mark Marin, um, mm. uh, Adam Carolla was another one of my favorites. And there came a point where I, a lot of these guys are comedians, right? And I got this idea. <laughs> At some point, I decided I wanted to try stand-up comedy. And, but it was my, it was like my dirty secret. I didn't want to admit Stand-up comedy in Salt Lake? Stand-up comedy in Salt Lake City, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I started going to the comedy clubs by myself and I would just sit in the back of the room and drink a beer and like take notes and watch how it all happened, you know, and kind of get a feel for the culture and the process of it all. And I'd start making notes about what I thought I might want to write jokes about. And at some point I would go up on these open mics and start trying stuff out. And then after doing that for a little while, then I told some friends about it and invited friends out to come watch. And, you know, I got really involved in that scene for some time. And during the process of all this, I had a a friend named Nate, super Nate, as we would call him. And he and I would, we would do comedy three nights a week. And then we'd come back to my place and get super high and super drunk until we hours of the morning and just come up with all kinds of crazy stoner ideas, you know, and, and just we would dream big and talk big and it was a wonderful some of those ideas well you this is where i'm getting to the podcast thing okay. one of those ideas was i wanted to create a show i wanted to create like a late night talk show live on stage mm. but i wanted it to be more than just fun and funny i wanted it to actually have a purpose too you know uh, like my my mom raised me on Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and all that kind of thing. And so I always kind of had an, that made an impression on me about the, what media could be and that media could be both entertaining and informative and, and inspiring. And so I had this idea that someday I would start a, a late night talk show live on stage in Salt Lake City and it, we would have a live house band and we would have stand-up comedians and we would have um, interesting and inspiring topics, you know, and, and I thought that I would wait five, seven years to pull that off, you know, until mm-hmm. I became better at the whole, the craft of it all. But as it turns out, um, I ended up starting that up a few months later. And so I started doing this, this show here in Salt Lake in, in nightclubs and it was very successful. I would sell out these big, these clubs, uh, and, nice. and people loved it. And from there that evolved into, uh, one of my guests called me one day, he had a radio show at a local talk radio station. And he said, Hey, I would like you to come and sub for me. And then when now, I, were you performing as Paul Dwayne? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just called it the Paul Dwayne show. That's all. I had no other. I I didn't have any better ideas than that. That's so. I just called it the Paul Dwayne Show, and then he uh, basically he invited me to come uh, do his radio show for him while he was on vacation. And then he told me, by the way, I'm not really going on vacation. I'm quitting. So they might ask you to stay. <laughs> he tricked uh, you. <laughs> yeah, he totally tricked me. And uh, so anyway, 
I, the short story is I ended up getting a daytime talk radio show. And while I was doing that. What, and, what and radio station was it? It was this, this station here in town called K-Talk 630. It was on an AM radio station. They're still around. They're one of the oldest right. radio stations in America, in fact. It's talk radio, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like conservative talk radio. And so I came in there as this kind of left-leaning libertarian guy um, amongst all these super conservative people. And I knew right then, the first time I walked in and, and did a show, I knew that some what I was going to do is I would learn how to produce a show, I would learn how to host, and I would create a following, and I would take them to the podcasting world with me after a couple of years. And that's what I did. Got it. Got it. So did the... the the Paul Dwayne show have the same theme as the Soul Anarchist mm-hmm. show? It yep. did. Yep, totally. I'm, I'm, and I'm curious about that name. Why the Soul Anarchist? Because when I look at it, I'm like, hmm, like Soul <laughs> Anarchist. That's pretty yeah. interesting. <laughs> How do you come up with that name? And what's the purpose behind that name? Well, the purpose behind what I do has always been I'm, I'm passionate about freedom. I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about human freedom, about my own and yours too. I want you to have all the freedoms I I want to have for freedom myself. to do whatever you want to do, right? With uh, the, yeah, like in so far as like my freedom ends where yours begins. You know, like I want to be able to do whatever I want to do as long as it's not keeping you from doing what you want to do. And likewise, sense. you know, makes it's sense. very live and let live. It's simple. I think most people believe in this stuff. Um, so. Anyway, I, uh, that's always been the, the purpose of everything I create has always been to celebrate that, that idea, that ethos. And I just, back when I started the show, I, <laughs> I only had like 30 days to come up with a name for the show. And so I just couldn't think of anything else. So I just called it the Paul Dwayne show, you know, and it just stuck for years and years and years. And, and I knew, I always knew that there was something better I could call it, but I just could never come up with it. And um, I went through many iterations of trying to rebrand it over the years. And then, I don't know, man, one day I just, it just, I think, I don't know. I don't even remember where I was. I was probably just driving someplace. It just popped into my head and I, 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 I knew what I wanted. I knew that like, even though I'm the host of the show, I'm not the subject of the show. You're the subject of the show. Your life is the subject of the show. Your freedom, your aspirations, your you know love of, of living authentically and, and being your best you and is the subject of the show. And so I wanted a, a brand name for the show that people could feel like it was an umbrella that they that covered them, you know? Makes and sense. So yeah, yeah. So I just at some point, I don't know, just popped into my head one day, this idea of soul anarchist. And I thought, well, those are the two, the, you know, if you boil everything I believe in down to its barest bones, those are the two words I end up with at the end of the day. So you know, anarchist, soul okay. anarchist. Yeah. This idea of being free as free as possible at a, at the heart and soul level. And that I do believe that as humans, it is our right and our responsibility and our privilege to, to be our own creative force, you know, and to create our own rules. And I, you know, so. Let me ask you a question from your journey, um, you know, trying to promote freedom and, you know, do a show and all these things. Yeah. Do you think people are afraid of freedom? Yes. That's a great Mm. question, but yes, absolutely. 
So in your opinion, do people understand the concept of freedom? They know what it is to be free, but they are afraid of freedom because they are afraid of their self or because they are afraid of what other people will think about them expressing <laughs> their own freedom? Oh my goodness. That's such a great question. It looks, what it looks like right now, I think that, well, the philosophers talk about something called the uh, existential crisis, you know, and it's something, some people call it the midlife crisis, but it's this point that a lot of people come to when you realize that life is meaningless. Facts. And, and it, it, there's no inherent meaning in life other than the meaning you give it. Mm. You know, and, and that, that, com- that is terrifying because if, if that is true, then everything that happens in your life is your responsibility and your fault and to your credit too. And that is a huge weight to bear. Mm. It is, it is so, so free. It's dangerous almost. And, um, it's kind of like, I would, I would compare this to learning to ride a bicycle, you know? Mm. Um, when you're a little kid and you're learning to ride a bike, uh, the restriction of training wheels is comforting and necessary, you know, but it, at some point those training wheels have to come off and at some point they'd be actually become dangerous, you know, Facts. They, they, they can make you fall actually and make you crash. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I think that as humans, as, uh, we go through these phases of, of learning to harness our own power, our own creative power. And at some point it's time to take the training wheels off. And that may be in this lifetime. It may be in a future incarnation. Some people have already done it. I, I believe in, in reincarnation, by the way, at least it looks like really, that. yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen some evidence. I, I'm 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 more of an evidence-based spiritual person. Like whatever the evidence points at is where I'll 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 look that way too. And I, there's it. some evidence that I've seen that suggests that that is probably what's going on. So I'll just go with that for right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. I think that that's our our whole purpose is to learn how to become more powerful creators. I think that's the whole point of our existence. Becoming more powerful creators means utilizing whatever we have inside mm-hmm. to produce something that other people can then appreciate and enjoy. But how many people do yep. you think actually know what they have or tap into what mm-hmm. they have inside? Not a lot of people yeah. live their life knowing their purpose. Like Right. Creative. I think everything, almost everything we do is creative in nature. You know, if you, if you have to solve a problem, you're being creative, you know, you're taking an idea and bringing it into the world of three dimensions, you know, mm-hmm. whether, and so I, I think that, I think that almost everything we do as humans is a creative act. Even if you, there may be people who are like, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a gardener. I'm not a painter. I'm not, it's not creative. No, that's absolutely creative. Or I'm a, you know, I spend all my time, time raising kids. I'm, you know, a stay at home mom. That's super creative. You know, that's absolutely an act of creation. Just as much as um, being a, a painter or a sculptor. Um, I think being an accountant, starting an accounting firm is an act of creation. You know, everything, mm. anytime you have to take an idea of something that hasn't existed yet and bring it into the real world or what we call the real world anyway. You're being creative. Got it. 
Got it. And others talk about being afraid of freedom. Do you think that's why people latch on to things like religion? Why that's why people try to find purpose in things that they think is the and you know, religion separating religion from spirituality. Yep. Like just like this seems to be something that maps out my whole life for me. So I don't need to do that. Like go Absolutely. through the pain of discovering my own path. I just be on this wide road everyone is walking through, even though my path might be a small path yep. in the corner somewhere, that kind of thing. For sure. And I would, I think you're exactly right about that. And I would expand the definition of religion to include things like political parties, sports teams. Oh, really? Um, sports teams. So, well, social I can see how sports, see how sports sure. can be a religion. For sure. Like anytime that you take your ego and attach it to something bigger than you and it gives you a sense of purpose and direction, that's religion. Yeah, yeah fact, fact. Yeah. The only thing that changes is um, what you wear to church and the, what, what, and the shape of the building you go into and what day you go there on. Got it. Got and it. those things don't really so, matter, do they? So, so the, <laughs> <laughs> the church becomes a stadium and absolutely. stuff like that. Sunday nope. becomes Tuesday night. Oh, absolutely. I was at, I was at a rock concert one, one, um, many years ago. I was shooting uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, you know, and, and I was, I, I'll never forget this epiphany. Wait, you toured with 30 Seconds to Mars? Or no, I, I, was, I was the house photographer for, uh, for many concert venues here in Salt Lake. So I would, I would shoot all the bands that would come through. Got and I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of the house and I'm watching Jared Leto up there and I'm watching everybody's hands in the air and everybody's in this moment of utter rapture with this and this incredible moment with this incredible performer. And I realized right then, this is just like being in a Pentecostal church. You know? <laughs> right. And then I and then I thought about a basketball stadium and I and then my mind immediately flashed to watching the Utah Jazz play, you know. And and in the same way, everybody's hands are in the air and everybody's screaming and speaking in tongues as it were almost, you know, and and everybody and you listen to people talk about their sports teams. They're like, Yeah, we won last night. Yeah, we kicked your ass. We yeah. we we know. No, 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 no. <laughs> you ate chips on the couch they I mean, they contributed <laughs> you know like they bought the chips yeah, right. they but, contributed to the salaries but even even the misuse of pronouns is evidence of religion got it you know it. Yeah. i can see i can see that i can see that uh, let's talk about how we met or how i discovered you so oh, yeah. i discovered you the same way i'm sure millions of people discovered you <laughs> there was this infamous trip to fort lauderdale oh man uh, a couple of weeks ago and if you guys i i i i, I intend to take my time designing the cover art for this particular episode so you guys have a picture of what i'm talking about but there was this video of you in the fort lauderdale airport yeah. Uh, by baggage claim or something <laughs> and you're walking around and you were in a short suit yeah i say short suit if you're listening from i don't know other countries like imagine a suit but instead of a jacket and pants it's like a jacket and shorts like short shorts yes. and you are wearing heels and you're in an airport in yeah. Fort Lauderdale, and and some and some tights, some some nylons I, with that. Yeah, I, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Put some the whole look together. Also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty interesting. Pretty nice legs, by the way. Thank you, sir. But <laughs> how I I want to peel back. I know there's from what I understand, there's kind of like some sense of rebellion and some sense of you know 
it's also has this message of freedom in it and all this because yeah. I know you're straight. But I want to peel it back from what I understand. The very first time you tried it was at a Halloween party. <laughs> You've done your homework. <laughs> yeah, because I try to I, I try to drill down and see. Oh, okay. Let oh, me man, see you're good. if you're I can good. if I can peel out this guy. So <laughs> let's see. It was Halloween two thousand and what? What year was it? Oh man. So the yeah, it was Halloween of probably it probably would have been two thousand and I've got to think about this for a second. Probably seven. Oh wow. Wait, 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 wait. So you've been wearing heels for a decade. Yeah. Damn. That's yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been doing this before you before you started driving the bike, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so this so was 2006, way back. 2007. Yeah. Halloween day. Tell me what was going through your mind. What do you have to eat that morning? <laughs> how, how did this how did this idea of going to the did you like were you dating someone at the time? You just took his shoes. What happened? That no, I, I had this idea. I had this idea that I was going to do this um, this uh, Sarah Palin costume. I don't know if any of you remember Sarah Palin from way, oh, way, way yeah. back in United States politics. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and I completely botched it. I, I just I didn't give myself enough time to prepare. And so what I was left with was essentially um, like a skirt and a dress shirt and um, some heels and tights. And uh, I just thought, well, um, no jacket. No, no. I just thought, no well, let's, uh, uh, uh-uh. no, I'm just like, fuck it. Let's just put this together. Okay. And let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> did you go to a party or you just, yeah, yeah. I went to a, I went to a party at a, at a very popular club in downtown Salt Lake. And I, I met some friends there and, and um it was it was pretty great um i i was uh how shall i say this i got a lot of really positive um reactions okay <laughs> yeah so yeah. so from what <laughs> i'm on halloween that doesn't count though like you can do whatever yeah. you want on halloween you know no but this story this story is pretty important cuz you know there are two ways things come into existence right there there's a well thought out plan on this is what i want to do i want to create the iphone i'm steve job blah 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 yeah put some drawings down you put some designs down and there are things that just happen out of the whim but like you tend to pivot a lot and notice that it's working and just keep doing that that right your situation almost sounds like the latter that oh you did something once and you saw the reaction and you could kind of tie to your earlier philosophy am i correct in saying that yeah, I mean, look, there, there are to be to be candid with you. There are many layers to this, but what you are correct in what you're saying here, um, for sure. It, it was, um, and it was a lot of fun, you know. And it, uh, so you know, I started. I would wear that again to a future party, you know, and another party, and then to other clubs, and then, um, but you know, going out to 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 Halloween parties and fetish clubs. Uh, that doesn't really count. Um, the first time I, re- I really did it in like what you might call the real world was my, um, I went to my cousin's birthday party on, uh, on New Year's Eve okay. at a very, at a really swanky restaurant here in downtown Salt Lake. And she, she encouraged me. She's like, yeah, you should totally wear your nylons and heels out to this. You should, you should do it. So I did. And um, I totally owned it and uh, had an amazing time. You know, I, uh, <laughs> hit it off with one of her really hot friends and 
Uh, really? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. How'd that happen? Well, she. I, I, so I walked. I walked into this restaurant, you know, and and people were looking. You know, people are like definitely looking my way, wondering what the hell's going on. Okay. And her and her friend walks up to me, and she's like, "Well, you look like a lot of fun." And I just had nice. the temerity to look her right in the eyes and say, "I totally am." And then we. <laughs> And we just nice. and we just had an amazing night, you know, and I uh, had a great dinner. We all went out dancing at a club later that night, and it, it was just great. Wait, wait, wait. You, know? you dance in hills? Oh yeah. Well, sometimes. Oh sometimes, my, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, so <laughs> that's uh, impressive. <laughs> I must say, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. But but you mentioned something like there. There's a level of confidence you said yeah. that it takes to do something out of the ordinary, something right. unconventional. Yep. You know, something were you at any point in time like fearful have you were even as a kid did you as a kid were you did you ever grow up being like shy or embarrassed and Mm. how did you do this you know because this is not something that like the average person can do you must have like an extreme level of confidence to pull this off if not you just look kind of like you know what it really is um, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm actually really introverted. Um, I, I was pretty shy growing up. Um, but I had a, I had, I wish I could tell you the, the exact time it was, but I just remember many years ago having this moment where I realized, um, I came to terms with my own death. What? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and here's how it goes. You know where it really, I think it really came from. It was, uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book called uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I read many, many years ago. And one of the things he talks about a lot is begin with the end in mind. And he goes through this exercise where he says, he goes, imagine your own funeral. And what would you want people to say about you at your funeral? You know? Oh, so it's not like you had a near-death experience or anything? No, 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 no. I was just thinking about it. You know, I was just thinking about like, yeah, what, what would I want people to say about me? You know? And then I got thinking it more and I got imagining death even more. And I, and I, and I thought, you know what, someday I might die. I don't know that I will. I think it's a choice, but that's another topic for another day. But, um, I think that if I were to die someday, you know, I I got thinking about what it would be like to be laying there on my deathbed and to know that the end is about five minutes away. It's almost there. And, and those of you who are listening right now, I want you to go there with me right now. Let's do this right now. Think about dying. Think about you're a little old man, you're a little old lady, and you've had a long, full life, and you're dying peacefully of some natural causes so that you actually have the wherewithal to sit there and think about your life for the last five minutes, okay? And I want you to think about what it would be like. You're going to think about a few things. Think about all the things that you attempted doing that were a big, huge failure, the business you tried starting that just flopped, that time you had to declare bankruptcy because of it. Uh, think about that person you asked on a date and it was just, they said no. Think about, you know, um, all the things you tried to build and create and they just were a big mess, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to smile and laugh about those things because you know what? They don't matter anymore. They don't matter. <laughs> you know? Like none of those messes matter at all at this point. But you tried, you know, and hell yeah, like, God, that would feel so good to just know I tried, you know, and then you're going to, and I'm going to think about, think about the things that you tried and they worked. 
you know, and obviously those will be, that'll be a, those will be proud, proud things to think about. That'd be beautiful to think about the, the successes. And then there are going to be things that you wanted to do, but you didn't. Yeah. Why didn't you do it? Because you were afraid, because mm. you were afraid of failure, because you were afraid of what people were going to say about you. You're afraid Thanks. of what people are going to think about you. And guess what? All those people you, you were so worked up about, they're dead too right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and if they're good. not dead, you're about to yeah, not ever be. be around them again, ever. Got it. <laughs> you know? Got it. And I just, I had this, this epiphany of realizing that, man, like, I, I want that third column of things we just talked about. I want that list to be as short as possible you know? And, and I, so I just realized life is way too short to live it based on my fear of what other people are going to think about me. And as long as what I'm doing doesn't hurt anybody else, I should do it. I mean, I, I totally agree. That makes a lot of sense. You know, in the last three, four years of my life also, I've, I've been trying my best to, you know, kind of like live life on yeah. my own terms. When I, whenever I think about doing something, I think about what's best for NOSA. I don't really like think about a lot of people. And, you know, uh, in a way, you know, slowly my friends, my family are starting to understand that, hey, you know, it's just, but in a way it, it also has, I don't want to say it has its own bad side, but what I've noticed is that because I'm so independent in my thought process, whenever I try to ask for help, when there's something beyond my capacity and I try to like lean on my brother or try to you know, lean on someone in my family, they're like, oh, now you need me. Like you've been like this person who mm. I've been maybe trying to give advice or, you know, try to help. And you're like, no, I'll do my own thing. I never yeah. listen to anyone's opinion. And now you need me. Have you ever faced uh, situations like that? How, how do you make people around you understand that, hey, the fact that, you know, I'm trying to be independent with my thoughts doesn't mean I'm, I'm an island. Sometimes I also need being human. I, I might need to lean on mm. you, you know, time and again. Um, I'll be honest with you, no. So this is a part of my life that's really challenging, like knowing uh, knowing when to ask for help. You know, like I tend to be super, super independent, and um, yeah, like that. That's definitely been one of my life lessons over the past year or two is getting into a better relationship with asking for help because sometimes I need it. You know. And I've, yeah. I've had some things come up, some challenges that have come up that were just too big for me, you know, and I had to reach out to my circle and I had to reach out to some of my friends and I'm fortunate, man. Like I'm, I'm just really fortunate. I have a lovely resourceful group of people around me that care about me and love me. And I just seem to always have help whenever I need it. I, I'm, I don't know how that happened, but I'm, I feel really fortunate for sure. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Speaking of relationships, I mean, you've been on this journey since 2007, you know, wait, let me first ask this question. Where yeah. do you wear the short suits to? Do you just wear them to parties? Mm. I'm a photographer, so you don't need to like dress corporate to work or anything. I'm sure you just wear a t-shirt. Uh, when do you choose to wear this outfit? I, I dress up like that. I wear the short suit um, pretty much on any occasion that would call for wearing a regular suit. Really? So, so weddings? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not all occasions that require a suit. Like my daughter got married a couple months ago and I wore pants. I wore wait, a regular wait, wait, say, pants. Say that one more time. My daughter got married two months ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. You have and a daughter so, that's married. Yeah, that's weird. She got married young. She's only 20. <laughs> got it. Yeah, got yeah. It. Um, but yeah, yeah. So of course, something like that. I, I wore a normal suit with pants and you know uh because that's her day it's not you know if i were to Did wear she tell you like, to or you just like no, oh, i don't, no, don't want to take we didn't even discuss from her we didn't even discuss it no what about when she was much younger like 2010 2009 uh, how many kids do you have uh, I, I, I have yeah, two daughters yeah yeah i've got two two girls and honestly they've they've actually never been around me when i dress up like that because i don't actually do it that much mm. um the only times I dress up like that are for um, like functions that involve my show, um, dates. A lot of times, I'll, I'll really. Show. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, How, how's dating like? Like, and t- talk to me. Like, how's your interaction with women? Like, forget like the first day where you meet. There'll be that element of yeah. like mystery and surprise. But like, when you're into the relationships, like six months in. Do you find yourself being with partners and like, okay, you know, it's enough. Like, I'm kind of over it now. You have partners that come, oh, mm. let's wear matching shoes, that kind of thing. I've, I've had both. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I've had both. And um, at this point in my life, um, but if a if a woman goes on a date with me, she already knows about it. You know, mm. because at I mean, there's nothing secret about my life in that regard. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's super super out there. So they 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 already know. And in fact, what's funny is a lot of times if I wear if I don't wear nylons and heels to something, people get offended. They're like, "Why?" Oh, really? They're like, "What are you doing in pants?" <laughs> like, so have you become not not have you become? I'm sure, like with your radio show, your comedy career, and music, like you've become somewhat of a like public figure in like uh, Salt Lake City, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. Um, it, it's that, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's it's a little microcosm, but yeah, it, it's um, people. More people know who I am than I know who they are. You know, like a lot because <laughs> I'm really easy to identify. You know, I, I mean, stick out that, in a crowd. And that's the definition of a celebrity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, more it's, or less. One of my one of my friends um, had the uh, occasion to meet Don King, the boxing promoter. You know, mm. and he he learned something. Don King taught my friend something. He said, "Hey, he goes, if you have a hustle, if you have something you're trying to do in the world and you're trying to promote and create, one of the best things you can do is have some some part of your personal style that is very signature to you that you always mm. wear. Whether it's like his crazy, hair, right? Crazy glasses, the hair, mm. like Steve Jobs and his turtlenecks, whatever. Like have your thing, have it be your signature thing. And um, because then you make it easy for people to talk about you. Got it. Yeah, Got it. yeah. And that's not why I do this. I do it just because I enjoy it personally, but there is a secondary effect and after effect that it's incredibly powerful for networking. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it. Well, what kind of shoes do you wear? Do you have a particular brands of nylons, of shoes, <laughs> yeah, or I shirts? Do I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, as far as hosiery is concerned, I, I've worked with a couple of companies at this point. Um, 
in the Wait, photography brand ambassador. Yeah. Kind yeah, of? I actually am. Yeah. Wow. I've, been, I've been a brand ambassador for a, a hosiery company out of Spain called Cecilia de Raphael. Wow. And, uh, they make really nice stuff. Really, really nice. In fact, um, I mean, it's, it's funny cause I always meet women. They're like, I don't know how you can stand to wear nylons. I hate them so much. And what I have <laughs> to say to all them is it's because you've been wearing all the garbage that's made in America. You know, the, the American stuff sucks, but the Europeans do it so, so differently. And, and the stuff I wear is just really a pleasure. Um, so yeah, I've been a brand ambassador for Cecilia de Raphael. And then one of my photography clients is a hosiery, hosiery retailer from New Jersey. And so I've been working with them for years and, so yeah, yeah, I've got a few brands I like. Um, and then as far as shoes go, that's actually the, one of the challenges is to find a shoe that fits, that's the right style, because there's a very, very fine line between um, looking put together and looking like I lost a bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a fine line between fashion and costume. Okay. <laughs> well, what is, <laughs> got it, got it. So, got it. so I'm super picky and I'm, I'm actually in the middle of designing a, a high heel right now that's optimized for motorcyclists, which, uh, hopefully, mm. uh, so Grant, let's just preface wait, this wait, by wait, saying, wait, 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 pull back. You ride with your shoes, with the heels? Sometimes. sometimes. Isn't that dangerous? It's terrible. It's a terrible idea. Okay. It's a got terrible it. idea, but I, I have a lot of lady biker friends and Ladies, you know, like, look, the, the best thing to wear on your bike are good riding boots. We all agree on that. Sometimes you're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes like like sometimes you're going somewhere on your bike where you got to look cute, right? And so yeah. if you're going to do that, wear the heels I'm designing because they're, they're, okay. they're created to be the lesser of the two evils. <laughs> are you partnering with a company to do this? Are you releasing them independently? What, yeah, I, I've been working with a, uh, there's a shoe designer in, in Europe that I've been talking with a lot about this. And the, there's a, a, a couple of couple of people that I've been collaborating with on this project. So, Got yeah. it. Yeah. It sounds to me like you need to do a tour in Europe, man. Um, for sure. Yeah. Have you been out there yet? Not yet. But, have uh, you where, where have you been to like outside of mm. the U.S. Man, I have not. I have I honestly I haven't traveled that much. I mean, I've been to Mexico. I've been to Hawaii. I've been, uh, but but I really all haven't the photography traveled. places. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't done a whole lot of traveling yet. But uh, yeah, yeah, something tells me like you hit it up pretty big. Like if you just venture out to Europe and just like yeah, do like you can do like a podcast slash. Are you still doing stand up? No. Um, I've thought about getting back into it. I've thought I about mean, it. it. It can work. I mean, yeah, yeah. I never know. I still love it. Got yeah. it. But once I, you know, once I started doing the radio show, I got out of stand up because when I was doing the radio show, I was putting together, you know, six hours of content a week. And so I was on a mic. I had, I had the whole Valley as my, my audience. And so by the time I was done with all that, I didn't really have any, energy left or any i just didn't really care you know got I, it i'd gotten it all off my chest <laughs> so <laughs> got it got yeah. it but i mean uh, let, I don't let me ask, out though yeah let, let me ask you this so we, we live in a world where it's difficult for a lot of people to understand why people make certain decisions right even though you know we're built to be intuitive in the way we live our life i mean we yeah. have everyone has a brain to think for themselves but people when you like 
kind of like veer outside the norm. Some people like take offense, like personally, like why are you doing this? Especially someone like you being in such a conservative state like Utah. Have you ever faced any kind of like backlash or discrimination or any kind of um, assault of any kind given to the way you dress, that kind of thing? Not much. Not much. Um, You know, that's a great question and it connects to a question you asked earlier. So I'll, I'll stitch this together. One of the things I've learned about people uh, by, by being somebody that dre- that shows up so differently in the world, right? People are, for the most part, we're, we're herd animals, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and humans are always looking at the, the, the power structure, the, the leadership hierarchy. We are always scanning to see who the leader is in a situation. That's how mm-hmm. we're wired. And so what I've learned is that when I show up into, when I walk into a room, either literally or just metaphorically, knowing who I am, knowing what I'm there for, what I'm doing, and I'm not, I'm not looking for a leader, <laughs> you know? I'm it. You're carefree. I'm it. 99% of people either politely step out of my way or follow me. Wow. Yeah. And they will do the same thing for you. That's what you got to know. I'm not, I'm not special here. Like I'm not, I'm just so, so ordinary. Like this applies to all of you that are listening right now. You you know, it's funny you say that because I was interviewing um, a poet called Asay Two. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she, this was a couple of episodes ago. And for listeners, you remember this. Uh, she's a poet and she's like this kind of um, bohemian kind of character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she writes and she practices all these kinds of religions. And she really doesn't wear shoes to like 80% of the places she goes. So I was yeah. asking her that same question that, hey, you know, how, how do you do this? Like, you just walk into a place, a restaurant or whatever without shoes and she was like, yeah, if I act like I'm supposed to be there and I walk in there with this like purpose, and, yep. you know, kind of thing, like everyone just like keeps quiet and goes about their business. Like, oh, yep. you know, so, but if you're kind of like scared in a way, it kind of like shows in your confidence. Kind yep. of, and you just reiterated that like a couple yep. of episodes later. So people are like dogs, mm. you know, and, and I'm and I don't mean this in a derogatory way. People are like dogs insofar as, you know, like dogs can smell fear. You know, and, and, uh, you know, a dog is always, this is one thing I learned as a mailman too, <laughs> like dog psychology, because uh, I had to deal with them, hundreds of them a day. They are also looking for a leader. They want to know who the, the alpha is in the pack. And if you're it, they will be subservient to you. Mm. And, and, but if you're afraid, they'll attack you, you know, and people are the same way. If you let off that fear, you're going to get attacked. And um, so this is, this is one of the things I really, you know, in our culture today, bullying is such a topic. And, and it's, it's, look, I was bullied as a kid. You know, I know what it's, excuse me, I know what it's like to be on the ass end of, of uh, being picked on and, and dumb jokes and things like that. I know I grew up that way. Um, but the, one of the things I really, really want people to know is that, you know, you, and I don't want to gaslight people in saying this, but I do believe because it has been my experience that you have the opportunity to take charge. Mm. 
and you have the opportunity to create your own experience. And that doesn't mean people are always going to be nice to you. To get back to your other question, yeah, I've had some people be kind of rude. You know, like um, the last time anybody was really rude to me was, uh, I don't know, like two years ago, honestly. <laughs> Aside from the people on Twitter. They don't count, though. <laughs> they don't count. Obviously, a lot, then, of people, no, no. a lot of people hide behind Twitter, too. Yeah, so but there, or... there's not even that many of them. Whatever, you know. But, like, I was walking through downtown Salt Lake a couple of like two summers ago in my in my tights and heels and some guy in a big jacked up truck pulled up next to me and he goes hey man nice heels faggot and then he drove off <laughs> so and that means you're yeah. <laughs> here's the thing you got to know when a, when a person comes off aggressively it's all about their baggage they're projecting Facts. onto you it has nothing Facts. to do with you facts you're just a movie screen man Facts. You know, how, how, how dare you be free? How dare you when the rest of us are, are in chains? Kind of exactly, exactly. So, Perfect. That makes said. that makes sense. At least it's, it's good to know that at least you don't witness that so often that, you know, you, you've maybe thought about moving to somewhere no. else or that kind no. of thing. You know, it's one of the things that's funny about that whole Fort Lauderdale thing. Everybody was kind of, like all my friends thought it was so funny because they're like, Florida is a state that is known for wacky and weird, bizarre behavior from people. Yep. yep. You know, and, and, and yet, so I've been walking around Salt Lake city in Mm -hmm. tights and heels for years Mm. and nothing like this has ever happened. Like people, not only do people, but people love me here. I'm lucky. Like I, I, I have a, I don't know. The city is really good to me. Nothing has ever come of it, you know? And then I go to Florida and all of a sudden I'm the freak show. Yeah, <laughs> but I live in one of the most conservative places in America, and and yet it took going to one of the weirdest places for it to become a spectacle. Spectacle, so, right? Yeah. yeah. How and like that video kind of like went viral. How many I I saw that you were in ton tons of like. On I'm sure like your followership grew by you know tens of thousands if not it hundreds did. of thousands but yeah like what what kind of exposure what what I know you like when all these news stories but what was one surprising thing that you didn't expect to happen that happened that did you get a call from Oprah or something <laughs> no. or did, did you get the keys to the city from the governor or something no no um, honestly the thing that surprised me is how little happened. That wasn't little in my book. <laughs> like, like when, his story I mean, was everywhere. I know, I know. It's crazy. Like, it, it, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has. It, it's a, oh, a million and a half views on TikTok. That's where it started. It's at seven, wow. seven point two million. Why does everything on, start on TikTok these days? I don't know. What's going on with that app? <laughs> crazy kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then you know, it, it's got I think seven point two million on Twitter right now, and who knows wow. where else it's hanging out? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, I racked up 11,000, almost 11,000 new Twitter followers in 48 hours. It was crazy. Um, one of the things that has been interesting, uh, I mean, I've, I've made a few contacts from it and, but it's funny the way people perceive that, like I'll have people, I'm almost embarrassed to even talk about it because it's suit. It's such just not a thing but i'll have some of my friends will talk to me they'll be like oh my god you're like internet famous now blah, blah, blah. i'm like i'm really not i know really like 
seven i mean seven million sounds like a lot but in the twitter universe in the in the scope of of the internet and, and those things those are still very very small numbers like this really wasn't yeah. this is just a tiny tiny little flash in the pan and i've met some cool people like you uh, uh, because of it um and 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 you know my my podcast following went up because of it which is great um but yeah it's 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 really not that big of a deal. I know that's that sounds anticlimactic, yeah, 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 but it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's just You're not sounding really modest right now. Like, it's, it's just not, not that big of a thing. Yeah, it's just yeah. what I do. <laughs> it's just yeah. Uh, okay, well, what what's in the future for Paul? Uh, well, why why do you see yourself? Um, I don't know in twenty thirty that kind of thing. Uh, twenty thirty, like 10 what years are some out? of those things you want to sit on your deathbed and think about? And you like, oh, I mm. did that. I tried that. You know. Uh, yeah, as much as you can share, for sure. So uh, the soul anarchist concept is meant to be right now. It, it's a podcast, you know, and it's a social media thing. But my my goal is to grow this to be more of a lifestyle brand. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I'm working on this year, like I mentioned, I, I'm working on some some clothing items, some 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 shirts, the heels, some things like that 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 I personally would wear and use. That I think other people would too. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I, I would love to grow soul anarchist into something bigger than what it is now, more of a lifestyle brand that happens to have a podcast attached to it, but I would love for it to be uh, more of a movement out there because I see, I'm going to recapitulate fight club a little bit here. You know, I, I see this generation of people out there. That that are they're they're anxious and they're pissed off because they grew up thinking that they're going to be something special and they've hit this point where they realize they're not, mm. you know. But they want to be and they know that deep down they they can be because here's the thing: on some level, like I mentioned earlier in our interview, we are all inherently creative beings and we all have a spark of the divine within us and we know it on some level. But then when we go through life living these sort of humdrum existences where we've subscribed to the the uh the status quo of mediocrity of just following the beat of some other drummer it's aggravating to us on a spiritual level you know Mm -hmm. and so really my my hope is that the soul anarchist movement is something like that 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 i create media and clothing and other things that that inspire people to live life on their own terms have you you trademarked that name <laughs> I need yeah. to ask that question. Yeah, right. It's and that, and that's my hope is to to just create um, a, a number of things um, that that leave that legacy of of inspiring people to live life on their own terms. That that will be the thing that makes me smile a big, create cheesy grin as I take my last few breaths for sure. Got it. Got yeah, it. Well, yeah. I appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. Uh, we have a segment. Uh, so the purpose of this podcast is to interact with people from different backgrounds. Uh, I'm, I'm Nigerian. I work in finance. I uh, do a lot of things. And just, you know, reaching out to people who are not necessarily like me and just seeing what's on the other side of the wall. And, you know, mm. is building That's that good. bridge between different cultures. So someone might look at you for the first time and say, oh, who's this guy? Kind of like that guy who screamed the F word and just you know go away but i'm like you know there's something deeper to this there's something i can learn and i've been glad that i'm glad that i got to learn some of those lessons 
Um, but we like to do that in a more deliberate way at the end of the podcast. So I ask you a few questions about, you know, where you're from or what you're doing just to pass along some information deliberately. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I'll kind of like give you a few minutes to kind of like talk about if there's something I didn't ask or something you want to speak on, or if you have a question for me, uh, kind of have like a few minutes to, to, mm. to cover that before we go to the game at the end. Well- that, that's gracious of you to do that. I think you've, um, you're doing important work. Um, you've you've uh, given a great interview. You've asked great questions. Uh, your preparation was awesome. Honestly, I don't, I don't, have a, I don't really have anything on the t- that I, I feel like I need to say at this point. You really set the, set the stage for me to, to share the things I think that are, are really important. Um, I, and I think that conversations um, that reach across aisles are so critical today. You know, um, the, the thing, yeah. So if there's one thing I would really, one call to action would be, I'm going to jump back into that Stephen Covey book. One of the seven habits of highly effective people is to seek first to understand, then to be understood, you know, and, um, there's so little of that happening in our, a lot of our public discourse today. Most of us want the same things, you guys and girls mm. and everyone in between. Most of us, here's the thing. We all want to love, to, to be free to love who we want to love. We all want to be free to explore our consciousness in the way we feel inspired to, whether that be through worship or substances or plant medicines or whatever, or whatever books or whatever. We all want to be able to we all want that freedom. We all want the freedom to do what we want to do in the privacy of our own homes without being intruded upon by anybody. We all expect our privacy to be respected. We all want clean air and clean food and clean water. We all want our kids to be able to go to school and not worry about what happens while they're there, you know, and and expect that they come home safe. We all want decent roads to ride on. You know, we all want to keep as much of our paychecks as we can. We all hope the best for the poor. We all have an ambition for the poor to be taken care of. We all, look, we all want the same things, you guys. You know, the, the, the thing that's going on right now, let's, let's cut right to the chase. The mainstream media, their business model is to convince you and I that we disagree, but I don't think we do. <laughs> You know, we might have like little disagreements here and there. We might have like slightly different perspectives, but I really believe most people want most of the same things. I think we probably overlap about 80%. And so I invite you in your conversations with people, instead of leaning into how people are different than you, lean into how are we the same? Mm. What do I have in common with you? Okay, let's find I'm common a ground being, first. A human being. Yeah, yeah, let's mm. find common ground first. And once we have that established, then we can discuss maybe some of like the weird differences and how we're going to work those things out. But I really believe that by, and it's a practice, you have to be aware that you're doing it. Okay. You have to like consciously go into these conversations, knowing that you are there to find common ground. Even if the other person's not thinking of it themselves, you can be the facilitator of that. And I ask you to do it and it's important work and it makes the world a better place and we need it right now. Wow. Wow. Well said. Well said. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so let's quickly play this uh, end game. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So I have three questions. Uh, relatively, I don't know if they're easy or difficult. I guess we'll see. All right. First question is a personal one. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you could wear one set of footwear for the rest of your life, which would it be heels or motorcycle boots? Boots. Got it. Um, do you have, Second question. 
Do you happen to know where the name Utah came from? Uh, yes, it uh, derives from the Ute Indians that were the original. Well, they were not the original, but they were the, the main inhabitants of this territory when uh, the Mormon pioneers showed up. Got it. Oh, that's impressive. Two out of three. <laughs> Number three, do you happen to know how many podcasts are in circulation right now? I've heard guess. that it's in the half a billion range somewhere. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, not like podcasts, like podcast episodes, like actual like podcasts. Actual shows, 500 million. Really? That, that's what I heard. I, I, I didn't <laughs> fact check it though. I didn't, I didn't fact check it, but I, I heard somebody refer to that the other day. So uh, do you know? No, so two out of three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, not really close, but... Um, yeah, uh, the number of podcasts actually in circulation, according to Edison Research and Nielsen, is uh, seven hundred thousand. Holy active shit. active podcasts with seven hundred thousand. Yeah, with twenty nine million episodes. So, yeah, wow. I mean, a lot of competition, huh? <laughs> but the good it's thing about cool podcasts thing, is that everyone has their niche, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a neat thing that we're experiencing right now that. Um, it's like it's like when the printing press was invented. All of a sudden, the democratization of information uh, took a whole new leap, yeah. and it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, we're, we're in the thick of it right now. It's it's almost like if you were to get in a time machine and go back and talk to the people who were running the first printing presses, they could yeah. never imagine something like the New York Times or something yeah. like they would never they would never be able to comprehend what the printing press would eventually do. In the same way, I don't think we have any idea what we're sitting in the middle of right now. But we're we're in one of those moments for sure. Yeah. It's good to be in there at least <laughs> to, to witness the beginning of it. Yeah. So all right. Uh, you want to drop your social media handles for people to yes, reach out please. to you? Yes. Um, I am very active in three places. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Soul Anarchist. That's at S-O-U-L-A-N-A-R-C-H-I-S-T, Soul Anarchist. And on Twitter, I'm. it's very similar. It's at underscore Soul Anarchist, at underscore S-O-U-L-A-N-A-R-C-H-I-S-T. Those are the places I hang out the most. And you can find the Soul Anarchist podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other podcasting apps. Or you can just go to soulanarchist.com and find everything you need there. Got it. And we'll also have a link to his website in the show notes. So you can just click on that to find out everything is uh, awesome. His social media, uh, social media handles, you know, podcasts, everything there. Great. And yeah, you guys can also follow us. It's Culture Class Podcast everywhere uh, except Twitter. Twitter is Culture Class Pod. Uh, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the episode. Uh, tell us if you want to reach out to Paul, uh, whatever it is. Uh, but till then, be good to each other and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much for the show today. You, uh, you're a great host and this was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, thanks. All right, man. Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep you posted uh, when I publish this. I'll just do some editing. And, yeah, uh, send I'll, out I'll blast it out to all of my people too once it's out. Got it, got it. So, All right, thanks so much for being patient once again and uh, hey. wish you the best.
best of the rest of your day. My pleasure. Uh, you, like I said, I, I'm super impressed. You're a great interviewer, and I think you're doing great work with this. I'll definitely subscribe to your show and follow along. You did. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Later, man. Hey, have a great night.